0: welcome to counselor find a podcast for counselors past and present finding their way in faith and current culture we are your hosts
1: shrek and shop also known as terry and zach
0: hello 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 and welcome back it's great to have you here zach hi (laughs) Hi. <laughs> so it's, um, episode 35, uh, we've come off a three week series of talking about the church mm. and discipleship. And, um, thank you for people that have been, uh, uh, interacting with us and letting us know that, uh, you agree or disagree with us. I really have enjoyed that. Thank you so much. We are going to, uh, we're not getting a whole lot of feedback on topics to discuss, so we're going to take off on some tangents over the next few weeks and uh, kind of talk about some of the things that are on our brains that are burning in our heads. Sounds good? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay.
1: mm-hmm. yeah, sounds great. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So uh, recently read a book by Mark Sayers, uh, Disappearing Church is what it's called. Fantastic book. And really he's dealing with, he's since written a book called Reappearing Church, So he wrote this book in 2018 and then came out with a book called Reappearing Church, which I have not read, but Disappearing Church, I really enjoyed as he's looking at the church in the West. And by West, he means mm, like Europe, UK, Canada, US, Australia, New Zealand. It was kind of those Western, Western cultures, Western way of thought. So... Uh, We're gonna have to define a few terms to get started here, but he's he's really wrestling with the idea that Gnosticism has become the new religion that that politics and uh, and Gnosticism have taken over in both the church and in Western culture.
1: Gnosticism is when you don't believe in anything.
0: No, no, that's agnostic means no anti anti knowledge anti. So, knowing.
1: Gnostic is someone who believes in anything.
0: Uh no, that would be like um, pantheism.
1: So what's P- pan Gnosticism? is many,
0: and theism is gods. Pantheism. <clears throat> okay. So a Hindu would be a pantheistic religion, right? Um, Gnostic is that knowledge is the way of God. That we all kind of have God in us. Um, and so. <clears throat> that's each, not true. each human is divine okay. that you are a god that you have a god ability within you and that by learning and knowing more about yourself um you release that god that is within you i'm probably butchering this there's probably a professor out there that's like no that's not quite exactly right but
1: you think they're listening to this though no i okay. don't
0: <laughs> maybe okay uh all right. Uh, there are a few of our friends out there that are probably like, hey, okay, we need to have a chat. And oh, well. I'd love to have that chat. Uh, give me a call. We'll go out for a, a beverage and you can set me right. Um, but if you were to look it up, like just Google Gnosticism, it's belief that human beings contain a piece of God. Um, okay. But it's more than that, because you see Paul wrestling with it in the New Testament, that he's wrestling with these people that are, are fighting, uh, are, are becoming uh, Gnostic, this Gnostic way of being. And so the, the Greeks really had this, that um, that they were trying to separate the spiritual from the physical. Right. The body was in decay, and the body was what was holding us to this... Uh, physical world and if we could transcend our bodies then we could achieve enlightenment we could achieve yeah spiritual uh oneness with god because then we were becoming more god-like ourselves and finding that inner god within us a lot of this com- like this language has worked its way into our culture right uh, some of it we would call Eastern mysticism or Eastern religion. That idea of karma or um, nirvana, working towards um, what is the word? Uh, working towards that spiritual enlightenment. That would probably right. be the way. Like that's nirvana, right? Where you you achieve eventually, you get better and better and better and better spiritually until you enter into nothingness. Right. And you become like a god. In the pantheon of gods, right? Anyways, back to my story about Mark <laughs> Sayers and his book. He's, his argument is that this has really in, infiltrated the, the church and the Western thought to such a huge degree. And I was reading it and I was like, maybe, but I think yes and no. So there's also this phenomenon going on right now. A lot of people are um, deconstructing their faith. Does that make sense? Do you know that? Have you heard that term much?
1: Yeah, but I don't really know what it means.
0: So what is, what do you think it means?
1: Um, that they are tearing their faith apart. Like that they're like going through it bit by bit and figuring out what's wrong with it.
0: Right yeah, that's a big part of it. So in your life, um, you came through church. You grew up in church. I'm assuming you were born. Your family went to church.
1: I was born. You went to church.
0: You were born. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, you didn't just create yourself. No. Even though you have this God spark within you. Yeah. Amazing. Correct. Yeah. Um, so (laughs) you grew up in a family that went to church every Sunday. You knew the stories. You went through Sunday school and youth group. And then you get to a point where you're like, I don't think everything I've learned is actually right Right. for me. So a lot of us would call that, man, I need to explore what I believe.
1: Yeah, like making your faith your own.
0: Yeah, make your faith your own. Sure. But what people have gone out and said is like, well, that's good, but I can't reconcile. Even though I'm trying to search out Jesus and find my own faith. I'm really wrestling with these big questions, like how does God allow uh, bad things to happen to good people, or what about uh, the problem of pain and right. suffering? Why would or like, why would someone who says they represent the church um, run a crusade? Yeah, and and torture
1: people. The whole topic of sexuality and all the this the whole stuff around topic that. of
0: like, <coughs> yeah, if this is the way God made me, yeah. then why is that wrong? Right. And so they're they're saying, Well, I can't can't deal with this. I don't I can't find an answer. One, I can't find an answer that I, I like. Two, if I change it, then I have to remake God in my image. So three, I'm just gonna throw it all out. So instead of reconstructing their faith, they're doing a renovation. They're doing this whole total deconstruction. They're like, I'm just gonna burn it all down. I'm going to leave an empty hole and I'm just going to walk away and start over somewhere else.
1: It's more of a demolition.
0: It's more of a demolition Uh, than a a deconstruction. Proper deconstruction would be okay. I have this, um, uh, I grew up in a Bible chapel. So in my story, I grew up in a Bible chapel and I was really frustrated because I had really good friends, but because they were girls, they had to cover their heads and sit quietly at church on Sunday. Right, but on Friday night, a youth group we could have this fantastic conversation, dig into the scripture, do go through a Bible study, or have fun and figure things out, and have conversations that were real and meaningful about God and life and what was going on. But then on a Sunday morning, they had to shut up. Yeah, they weren't allowed to be uh, right a part so of that conversation. You were so you
1: deconstructing that.
0: So I was wrestling with that. Like, why do we believe this? And is it, is it orthodox or is it interpretation? Is it tradition or orthodox? Is it truth that comes from the Bible or is it a tradition that we've implemented so that we can operate as a church on Sunday? And I really was wrestling with that. So that's something I had to come to a point where I needed to deconstruct it. Not because I don't need a kitchen in my house but because the kitchen that I have isn't functioning. So I need to deconstruct it and rebuild it. So renovate it.
1: Do you think the current demolition that's happening from is the way, like, is is that happening because they don't want to just say, see you later to everything like they, so they're having trouble um, reconciling certain things. And then instead of just saying, oh, this isn't for me then, they it's not enough to just say that. So they're trying to destroy what is there because that's because it's so, it's so offensive to them or it's so wrong.
0: Well, I think this is where Mark Sayers is saying, this is where Gnosticism is coming into the church. Okay. Where we're separating the body from the mind. Right. And we're saying the mind is the way forward and we don't need the body. So, for example, um, ah, how, how can I explain this? So we're, we're going to look at the Bible and we're going to, so one way we do that is we look at the Bible and we say, okay, I like these passages, but I don't like these passages. So we're going to cut them out. And we just cut out parts of the, the Bible. Right. But this part's no longer relevant. This part's no longer true. Um, it's like growing up and never reading the Old Testament. Because it's not okay. relevant. And people will say, oh, well, I don't read the Old Testament because it doesn't have anything to do with today's culture or it doesn't apply to me. I just want to read about what Jesus said. Right. But, okay, like, then we can do that. But Jesus really believed in the Old Testament. Like, that was his Bible. So he's talking about scriptures. He's not talking about what Paul wrote. He's talking about what Moses wrote and what habakkuk wrote and isaiah and jeremiah and david he's dealing with the old testament mm. so i think one of the ways we're doing this is we're saying well we know better because i have god within me i am I'm, I'm i know better and i don't need god to tell me what is right and wrong mm. or i don't need the bible to tell me what's right and wrong i just know right So I think that's one way that this deconstruction is happening. This tearing down. The the other way is like we've decided the way I was born is okay. Um, So in some ways it's okay. And then in other ways it's not okay. And like God says, we're fallen. We're not perfect. Um, I can... Put on a scale people that I know that are better people than me. I know, and I'll put on a scale people that I know I'm better than. I have this sense that I have the right to choose and judge how good I am or how bad I am. But everyone out there is like, well, you do you and I'll do me. And then I've become my own ruling on who's right and what's right and wrong. Then I've lost the sense that there's actually a, an ideal true. An ideal right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. Are you, what are you thinking?
1: I don't know what I'm thinking. I'm just oh, okay. very confused.
0: Well, maybe <laughs> I'm, I'm rambling too much.
1: No, it's good. Like, I, so you're saying that Mark Sayers is saying that the issue or an issue he sees right now in the church is the rise in Gnosticism, meaning the belief that we have... We inherently have God in us, and therefore we don't need a Savior, Christ. Yeah. And why would anyone believe that? Who knows, like who has any knowledge of the gospel?
0: I think it's because we have subtly decided. We have decided we. We decide for ourselves what's right and wrong. What's true and false. Okay. Because.
1: No, we don't actually.
0: We don't actually. The world's but we, telling us we can. But the, the world has told us we can. And so we're, we have been indoctrinated that way. Right. And so you're telling me that the Bible says that. Um,
1: this comes down to the idea that like this. Back to like whether moral absolutes exist or not, right?
0: It does come back to that. And who sets those moral absolutes? Yeah. So if I am able to set my own parameters for what's right and wrong, then I'm acting in a way that sets me up as God. Right. So it's not as blatant maybe as the world around us, but it is fairly blatant within our church. What we choose and what we don't choose as right and wrong.
2: We can easily point to
0: things that are very obvious. Um, So we know that it's wrong to kill, and we can point to somebody that's in prison, and we say that what you did was wrong. But we have a lot of grace for that person. And we can say, okay, well, we can forgive you, and God's forgiven you, and we'll invite you back in, and you need Jesus. But where that becomes a lot less clear is when it comes to the issue of a uh, young person that's had an abortion because they were eighteen and in college and uh, not ready to admit that they were pregnant, right? And and everything that that would bring back to their home and their families, their life and the plans they had, and then now they have to deal with that. Well, what happens? What happens to that person? Where is How do we deal with grace in that situation?
1: Why is it any different?
0: Well, is it different? I I don't know if it is any different, but there's a stigma around it that's different.
1: Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: There is a different stigma. There is a different way of approaching that in our society.
1: Well, yeah, because you're talking about something that isn't... Okay, because killing is... An moral absolute that everyone can agree on, right? Correct. Which is how we know we know moral absolutes exist to some extent because there's there are some we can all agree on, like killing in cold blood, like murder. But then even like within that context, you can start to get gray pretty quick. Within what is murder? Because some of us would call um, like a an a, like a certain abortion would be murder. Then some people would have to say, "Oh, it depends when the abortion is." Then some people would say, "No, abortion is." But that so suddenly now we're getting great, and then the other issues. Still, there's other issues where, like, we could I could have an I could call it a moral absolute, but then some people so where it becomes I guess a, a, a tricky trickier discussion is when not everyone agrees on that absolute.
0: Right, not everyone agrees on the absolute or the timing of it. But the fallout is still guilt and shame. Yeah. The fallout is still those same ramifications that come from sin.
1: But here's the thing with moral absolutes is that they only exist and can only exist if there's something outside of ours to judge them against. That thing, and the thing that we judge them against has to be perfect and timeless. Right?
0: Well, that's what makes it an absolute. Right. That there is a a true and a false.
1: Yes. So that's where I guess, like, if you can get someone to agree that there is a more absolute of, like, murder is wrong, then, then you have to, like, you go down this path of, like, well, if you believe that, then, like, you have that standard to which you judge that that murder is wrong against has to be a perfect and timeless standard for which you and I would call that god insert whatever you want there but it has to be something perfect and timeless which i don't think there's too many options there
0: right and so what's happened is then we have gotten to a point where you set the rules for you and i set the rules for me that's I've put moral my
1: moral relativism right like
0: well it is, but it's also, it comes from this idea that you are...
1: Universalism, I guess. You're,
0: you are part, there's God within you. You have the ability to make your decisions for yourself. Our independence, right, is, is in itself... Uh,
1: what happens when two people with God in them disagree? What's that? What happens when two people with God in them disagree? that's what i mean like yeah but when my yeah morals and my moral compass points me that oversteps yours doesn't make sense and then i don't understand and then we come back
0: to that well that's what i'm saying there needs to be that orthodoxy there needs to be that truth that we come back to
1: orthodoxy meaning like it's that that
0: comes orthodoxy is truth it's the accepted truth it's the the religious truth and we need to come back to, or it, it's just truth. It's like, there's an orthodox, an orthodoxy for surgery, let's say. Like, these are the standards that everybody accepts for surgery. Mm. Um, and so, but we, we've lost that. So you can call it, maybe you call it moral relativism. <laughs> I can't even say it.
1: Moral relativism.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, on, when you're discussing morality, But it it influences so many different aspects of the decisions that we're making within our lives each day. Right. And we would call them, maybe we call them individual rights. Or we call them um, personal truths. Or you live your (laughs) truth. That's my truth. Yeah. But we are setting those things up independently as individuals. And so when we come to our faith and we come at it from that very individual aspect, and we start to tear it apart, we're not going back to the foundation of what does the Bible say? Where am I getting my truth and my faith?
1: Right. Because again, I'm coming, there has to be a standard.
0: There has to be that standard. But, and I'm saying, even in the Christian West, even in the Christian church, we're not holding a standard the individual has trumped the bible the individual has trumped god's law yeah. the individual trumps community
1: yeah i guess and i would agree with that in the sense that like it's not been like a a swift or a fast change it's like a slow 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 burn right it's okay we'll let this one little thing slide we'll let this one little thing slide and it just keeps going and it snowballs so what would we call it last season insidious I think was the word for it oh yeah in the insidious yeah, 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 burn yeah. or that whatever insidious. like just that slow and painful but like subtle subtle
0: yeah
1: um like downward spiral or
0: yeah it's like a small infection that grows and grows and grows and then suddenly you're really sick and you don't even yeah. notice it you're a, a frog it's in a pot than COVID. Right? <laughs> it's sneaky <laughs> it is very yeah. sneaky yeah there's no um, there's no mask for this that's going to keep it out. And so it's there, and, and I'm looking at it going, wow, I, I hadn't really thought about it in that way. Um, and I can see where I read the New Testament, and Paul's wrestling with this heresy, because there's people who believe that we need to deny the body to become more spiritually pure. If you read through some of his letters... Uh, He's dealing with this idea that people are looking for more of a spiritual perfection over the body. And Paul's like, no, I live in this body. I've been given this body and we receive a resurrection body. Right. If Jesus was perfected and became a spiritual being, then why did he show up physically with the disciples and eat with them after his resurrection? Right. There is a physical aspect to this.
1: Because there is a physical body.
0: There is a physical body that's right. part of our perfection.
1: <clears throat> yeah. And if that's the that's case, true. then I
0: can't choose my body. It's mine. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a gift. It's part of his creation. He's made us the way we're made to be. Mm-hmm. And and the ramifications of that are huge because it talks to I don't know, like human, um, like even just disability. Like we talk about, there's a story where Jesus comes and uh, to heal a person and the disciples say, who sinned his mom or his dad? Like, why was he born lame? And he's like, no, but this is for God's glory. Right. Right. And look at all the people he didn't heal. Uh, we were, I've been watching the chosen and I noticed that's mentioned in one of the episodes, one of his disciples, Mm. um, walks with a a limp, has a cane or a a crutch that he walks with. Yeah. And so Jesus is healing all these people that come to him. And one of the, one of the other disciples, Philip says to him, have you ever asked him to help you with your leg? And he's like, I think I'm, I think he wants me this way for a reason. Like I just, or something like that. It was a really it was a casual comment, but it's kind of haunted me that maybe he suffers because it draws him to Christ. Maybe he's been made that way because it's it's the way God des, design was. It's I don't know. That's an interesting I know I'm, path I'm there. totally That's... thinking out loud here. I I don't have I don't know. I'd have to mm. Develop that thought more, maybe, for another discussion.
1: But the I would I c- lean towards maybe, uh, sir, so that God has designed that, but he's choosing to use that.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I know that and we haven't had this conversation either that suffering is key to Christianity.
1: Well, you can jot that down for another week. Okay, I'll, I'll write that down. <laughs> We're definitely not going to hop into that right now.
0: (laughs) I know it's, it's a huge topic, but, and it's not one that anyone has an answer on. And yet, oh, I'd love to poke into it a bit. Um, Sure you would. (laughs) Anyways, I just was, was wrestling with this idea and these conversations and things i am read. And what is, how do we get back to truth? How do we subvert myself? like if that insidious um independence that insidious that subtle reliance on self the importance of self over the community over god himself in my life has crept into my way of thinking how do i overcome that how do we take our individualism that's so very important in the west um Canada and the, in the U S our individual rights, our individual freedoms, our individual thoughts, our individual choices for myself, that it seems to be,
2: um, preempting community and family
0: and, um, the priesthood of believers that were one body that were united. It, It, it's all those words that God uses for his people aren't independent, aren't individual, aren't right. self-centered, aren't self-righteous, aren't uh, about individual rights. And yet, our communication and our way of thinking is entirely that way. Yeah. And it's, so we read the Bible and, and we're imposing ourselves onto it. And I'm like, am I reading my Bible? In a heretical way. Am I missing the story from Genesis to Revelation? Because I'm coming at this like, God, what are you saying to me? An individual. Today. What do you teach me? What is it that makes me a better person? And not us, community, church, bride of Christ. Anyways.
1: No, yeah, wow. That would be a different way to read.
0: Yeah, it would be. And so I've really been wrestling with that. And pray. Yeah, and and is that why I wrestle so much with church? Sometimes I'm like, oh, it's just the cult of a person. Like I'm just here to follow this pastor, this whatever. pastor, this yeah. teacher, this this leader, and I put them on a pedestal. And it's because I see in them something I want in me. So the more I watch them, the more right. I become like them. Then I get better as me rather than going to church because it's, it's about us, and it's about unity. And they would know that we are Christians by our love for one another, by us being a family, is what Jesus says. And he prays for us as a people. And we're, that's just interesting. Yeah. That's where I'm...
1: Well, those are some good thoughts.
0: Yeah. Thanks for letting me... uh Thanks that you on there. Thanks for asking those good questions.
1: Sure um so you want to talk about suffering in the future i also wanted to talk about
0: hospitality, hospitality yeah we'll bit. probably have a conversation on that might be coming up hospitality and suffering
1: we also might toss in an interview sooner than later what do you Un- mean by that unbeknownst to who yet find <laughs> not the word as long, you... as long as I did think of words, I just want to say them, so I just throw them in. Oh, nice. What do I mean by what?
0: You mean unbeknownst to the interviewee that they're actually going well, to be interviewed? them
1: and us, for sure. What were you saying before that? <laughs> what do I mean by what?
0: What do you mean an interview? Like, are you changing the format?
1: Yeah, like, you won't get to be on it. Oh, really? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, good. Uh, we would interview somebody. Nice. We would talk to someone. Hmm. They would talk to us. And we might ask them about... A topic, if we think they have knowledge to share on a topic, we might ask them about themselves, about their time at camp, about their time since camp. So it's
0: somebody from camp, it's not like we're trying to call up.
1: Who knows? I mean, if Jordan Peterson wants to hop in on our podcast, I'm more than happy (laughs) to host that. Uh, I would be crapping my pants the whole time, that'd be nerve wracking, but um. Yeah, no, I think it would be somebody from camp, was the idea. But who we, knows? Who knows who we're going to get? You we're know? looking at
0: 50 years of camp to choose from. That's a few. So there's more than, more than one person out there we could chat with. Yikes.
1: It's a lot of people.
0: Yeah. It's, so we're coming up to our 50th year in 2022. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So I guess there is a lot of people. Okay, cool. That's a good idea. So sooner than later? Yeah. Oh, all right.
1: Sooner than Christmas, for sure. Okay. No, it'll come out. There'll be an interview in November at some point. Yeah. Cool. It's already November. We have like wow. the,
0: the Who song. Who are you? Do, 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 do. You know the one from CSI? Who, who? Who, who. who are you? Yeah. That one? That one.
1: I'll play it. We probably I'll,
0: shouldn't sing anymore. <laughs> I'll dub
1: it over my voice so it doesn't sound bad.
0: That would be great. Cool. I like that.
1: So much work though.
0: Yeah. Well, guys, thanks so much for our conversation today. And we will uh, see you soon, maybe with an interview in the next couple of weeks. And we will be back soon. Let us know what you thought. And if you have any questions, we look forward to chatting. See ya.
1: Bye we